0: right at the perfect or very imperfect moment he turned his head to look at the accident and crossed right in front of me and he hit me head on in a triathlon bike you're almost bent over at the waist at 90 degrees and so your hands and your head are kind of out in front and that's where i got hit the force of that reverberated down my spine and broke three of my vertebrae compression fractures in my vertebrae
1: Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My next guest has lived in Virginia, California, Honduras, and Utah. He was a Division I collegiate track and field athlete in pole vaulting who was fortunate enough to win conference championships and competed in the NCAA finals where he appeared in the top 50 in the pole vault for the world rankings in the 2000 Olympic year. Once he retired from pole vaulting, he began to explore the world of triathlon and endurance sports. And he's been hooked ever since, having competed in over 200 competitive endurance events. He even qualified for the Boston Marathon and became an all-world Ironman triathlete. After receiving his undergraduate in psychology and getting his MBA, He had a 13-year career in corporate sales. About eight years ago, he left sales to pursue his passion of working in the world of health and fitness. He is the owner and operator of TriFit Evolution, a small strength coaching and endurance coaching and personal training business located in Arlington, Virginia. His goal is to help others achieve their fitness goals. He married his sweetheart, Lara Dawn, two and a half years ago, and they have been blessed with a beautiful son. I am pleased to introduce Alan Golidge. Alan, are you ready to share your story of hope? Sure thing. Awesome. Well, Alan and I actually have a long history of being friends. We grew up together in Northern Virginia, and I actually have many fond memories of playing in your backyard and in your basement as kids (laughs) yes Yes. i was thinking about that this morning and i thought you know i remember like i don't know what we were doing but it was you me and kevin and we were fighting off some imaginary foe with pretend guns and i don't know what but we were having a great time
0: (laughs) that sounds about right yes and i know I know my sisters were always jealous because you'd play with me and my twin brother. Instead uh-huh. of playing like dolls or whatever, we would go off gallivanting around the backyard. and Oh, we did. We had know, so much fun. <laughs> doing all sorts of tomboyish, boyish things. And yeah, that's that was a good time.
1: Oh, man. So Alan and I go way back. We're kind of more like cousins than we are friends because uh, yes, we yes. grew up that way, didn't we? <laughs>
0: Yeah, we still call your parents Uncle Jim and Aunt Karen. I know,
1: right? (laughs) So good times, good times. Um, So we're going to kind of talk a little bit about your story today and um, talk to me a little bit about all this competitive sports, because this is an area where that has not been my area of strength, I guess I should say. (laughs) You know, I... I, (laughs) running is not my favorite thing i enjoy walking for exercise so when you talk about you being like a world ironman triathlete which i understand is the top five percent division worldwide talk to me about what it takes to get to that kind of level
0: well you know me i could never sit still as a kid and i was always wanting to be running outside and doing whatever and I, I became a, a pole vaulter in high school. In fact, I moved to Utah and to make friends, I joined the track team and I was the worst one of the entire team at the pole vault. I was really bad. And I, you know, being competitive, I, I I just started practicing and I would drag my twin brother down to the to the track on Saturdays mornings to help me get better. And mm-hmm. so I just little by little by little I, I I've never really been a naturally gifted athlete, but I just always applied myself and worked hard in that area. And so that's really kind of what it takes, I think, because I just worked hard and I've had some great mentors and people around me who have helped me be successful uh, collegiately. Uh, Being a pole vaulter was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed the training. I enjoyed the work. In the pole vault, there's lots of different things that you have to do to actually you don't just go out and pole vault every day. In fact, most of the time is not doing that. Most of the mm. time is working on your running, working in your in the weight room, being becoming strong, working on your jumping technique, working on doing plyometrics, running up the stadiums. You know, mm. uh, doing work in the gymnastics room to work on your aerial awareness and body awareness in this in space and you know all these kind of things. But I really love that process. And then so as I retired from that, you know, in my Mid 20s. That sounds funny to say. I retired (laughs) in my 20s from my mid 20s from the the pole vault, which is much higher impact than uh, than than what I do now. I moved to California and fell into some good friendships with some people that introduced me to triathlon. So um, once again, I was really bad when I first started. I could barely swim across the 25 meter pool, and that was gasping and doing a horrible compilation of breaststroke and backstroke and side stroke and anything <laughs> I could. And, you know, in my first, my first race, I was horrible. And I remember I was here, I was 26 years old. I had tried to qualify for the Olympics the, the year before in the pole vaults. So I was very good at, at what I thought was, you know, uh, something that was super difficult. And I thought oh, this, this isn't hard to do, run, ride a bike, swim, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I remember riding my bike during the first triathlon I ever did and the in their fifties, just flying past me, and I remember <laughs> in, in triathlon they 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 mark the back of your leg with your age, so that you know as you are competing on the course because you're you're divided up in anywhere from five to, t- to ten year segments uh, for your age division, uh-huh. and so so to identify what division you're on, you, the back of your calf actually is literally stamped with your age, and I remember seeing to this day. The women were number 50, 52, 51, 50, yeah. You know, and here I was this, what I thought was this young, strapping collegiate athlete, you know, and I just got my doors blown off. And I just <laughs> oh, thought, man. No. And I just, again, I was not gifted. And so I just worked really hard. And I, I had luckily, I've been very fortunate to have the time and the energy to be able to do that and the means to be able to kind of just pursue that. and. Over time, I got a little bit better and a little bit better, and just, I was able to kind of parlay that into a, a business. And so now I actually help other people to do that. No real overly athletic, super gene or anything that I had, but I just <laughs> I just worked hard, you know. I just I was willing to put up, put in the work. But I but I love the process, the process of becoming a, a triathlete, as well as I love that the process of becoming a pole vaulter. And I think in life that's a good lesson to learn is that you just work on the process and Mm. and you become you know in the end you become something that you never imagined that you'd become but it's just working on the process and i i loved that
1: that's amazing it's amazing to me that you're able to take something that you weren't good at and just push and work and work and work and work until you became an expert in this field and that's really unbelievable to the point now where you you do, you coach others, and that's unbelievable. And, and you're right, it does take a lot of work to do anything well. You have another unique aspect to your story in that you had an accident happen along the way that uh, set you back and probably gave you a totally different perspective to the physical body and recovering from trauma, I guess we would say. So, would you mind telling us a little bit about that accident and your recovery from it?
0: Yeah, I was, it was 2015 in the fall and September, and I was about two weeks out from competing in Ironman, Maryland, which is a local iron distance Ironman triathlon, which involves swimming 2.4 miles riding 112 miles and then running a full marathon which is 26.2 miles wow and it wasn't the first time I'd done it I'd done it before and I've done several since but you know I was excited I had been training really hard my training was coming along I was kind of poised to do very well at least what I thought and I don't mean Professionally, really well, but just as an amateur, I was poised to do well in my division. And so I was just going out for an easy hour long bike ride as opposed to like a four or five, six hour bike ride, just Mm -hmm. very short. It was just to go ride around a a park that's about a three mile loop that you go around, you rode around it, you know, half a dozen times, come back home. And I was out and I was riding across a bridge that there's a bike path alongside a, a major highway. And there was another cyclist coming towards me who was distracted by the, there was a car accident, a little fender bender on the road. And he was somewhat distracted and right at the perfect or very imperfect moment, he turned his head to look at the accident and crossed right in front of me. And he hit me head on. And I didn't even see him literally see him coming. It just,
2: wow. everything
0: it was like all went black and I had this huge impact. And essentially, it, it, you know, it hit me right on my head, hit my head and my hands, because my head was forward in a, in a triathlon bike, you're almost bent over at the waist at 90 degrees. And so your hands and your head are kind of out in front. And that's where I got hit. And wow. so the, the force of that reverberated down my spine and broke three of my vertebrae compression fractures in my vertebrae. And then I ended up breaking the first rib, which is a rib that's higher up in your body. Uh, and then I ended up breaking some um, bones in my neck and did extensive damage to my left knee and my my left hand. And so it kind of, you know, hit and I fell off the bike course and went down to the ground and ended up, you know, in the ER and stayed in the hospital for about four days and ended up in rehab for about four months and then ended up having knee surgery later as a result of it, about six months later after that, and then had another four or five months of rehab after that. And so it took me, I mean, it, it it knocked me out for about a year and a half of actually running and cycling and swimming the way I had been accustomed to. So it was, it was a challenge and I just started my, my own personal fitness company. And so my my, bi- my business, my livelihood relied on me being able to physically move and work with clients and run with clients and do the things that I needed to do. So it, it set me back quite a bit, both professionally and athletically. But I was, I was very fortunate that I had some wonderful people around me, both in the medical field and then also just people in my, in my, my world. That were a very a very robust church community that just rallied behind me and helped me out. It was a long kind of long road for me to get back to full health and but I've been very blessed as a result i I've actually I'm faster now than than I was then in my really you know, since yeah and so i'm I'm better and faster and stronger now than I was then, which is pretty remarkable so
1: that is uh, again
0: it just uh yeah so. That had a happy ending not to that story for the most part, but certainly it was a process.
1: Oh my goodness, yes. So you talk a lot about taking time, obviously, to recover. This was not something you just bounced back from. It took probably over a year to even get moving really well again. Talk to me about some of the lessons perhaps you learned in that year of recovering from the accident,
0: I think probably that one of the big lessons I learned. I mean, there's many, many, but I would say is just being patient. And I think we, all of us work, especially here on the East Coast. Everybody, everything's fast paced, and everybody's has their agenda and things they need to do. And you know, the time frame is now and yesterday. And and, mm. and I think it taught me to slow down, be patient work through the process. And in doing so, it made me realize and appreciate the things that I had taken for granted, you know, like mm-hmm. being able to move. Uh, here I was as a competitive athlete saying, gosh, I, I need to get my marathon time down, you know, several more minutes or my bike power needs to be higher or my swim stroke needs to be smoother or I need, I'm worried about these things. And some people can't walk, you
2: know, mm-hmm.
0: and some people just to be able to move without pain was a blessing for me, mm-hmm. you know, and ultimately being able to run pain-free. I remember running for several months thinking, gosh, am I ever going to run without feeling this pain in my, my knee and my back? And so it taught me to be thankful and grateful for those blessings that we take for granted on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. The The doctor, when I went in for one of my post-op visits and took x-rays and made sure that everything was healing correctly. And he said, you know, he goes, you're very, very lucky. If your head was not perfectly in line with your spine when this happened, your head was moved just a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, just by a millimeter or two, he said, this would be a very different conversation. Mm-hmm. Meaning I'd be either in a wheelchair or worse. Even now, as I'm now still fairly competitive athlete myself in the amateur ranks and, and helping other people, you know, we're always talking about you know getting these times down. In reality, you know, I just need to step back and be grateful that I can walk and move and breathe on my own. And so it taught me to be grateful and to be patient with myself as I kind of recovered, I have a pretty strong faith. And, and so, you know, relying on my faith and being able to turn to God and ask for patience and faith and, and sustaining support and those, you know, those, those aspects that you, we, we all fall short on from time to time.
1: Oh, absolutely. That was helpful,
0: you know, yeah. and I think just being able to be still and to be able to be quiet and just take a minute and be grateful for what you have, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I remember one time, specifically, so many wonderful people around you, and, and uh, Tamara, you know this, what, when, when you do have tragedy strike, and I'm sure some of your listeners will agree, it seems like the silver lining of the cloud sometimes is that people that come to your aid that you have no idea.
2: Mm -hmm. And I had
0: people reaching out to me that I hadn't known from high school 30 years ago. Mm. Uh, And people just rallied around me that, and I remember taking time and saying a prayer of gratitude one time for so many wonderful people that were so helpful for me in my time of need. Mm -hmm. And so that's, so those are some things I really kind of thought about as, you know, when I was kind of going through things and just taking that time to be grateful for Mm -hmm. what we do have and what the people around us and, you know, our faith and the things that kind of sustain us.
1: I have found the same thing to be true, especially at different points in my life when we've needed help. And it is a blessing to have people serve you, especially if you've always been the one giving the service, to have that returned. It was like I was given an increased capacity to love these people. And I never realized that the person receiving service could have that blessing of feeling love for so many people. And so I I think that's one of the things I learned, that not only do the people who serve learn to love that person they're serving, but the opposite is also true. You receiving the service learn to love those people even more. So I totally agree. Let me ask you this. Was there ever a time in your recovery where you were feeling down and discouraged and asked God, why, why did this happen?
0: That's a good question. I I don't remember necessarily asking God why we were in prayer, but, but I remember certainly thinking that trying to, trying to look for meaning in that. And that's, I think sometimes we, we look for meaning in tragedy and I think, I think you can find meaning, but then I think it's also okay to realize that we don't have to necessarily have a reason for everything. I think we have that tendency to, you know, try to, this is going to be a blessing to you and I, I, uh, you know, that's not what people want to hear. Usually in the moment, we, we sometimes I can look back now, obviously hindsight, it really is 2020, and I look back and I'm like, gosh, would never wish somebody to go through that. I don't want to go through it again, but I'm certainly glad that I did because I see the blessings of it. That being said, I'd be just fine to not have to do that. (laughs) And, you know, I'd be okay. But uh, I think sometimes we kind of can try to identify a a reason. And in reality, sometimes just terrible things happen and it's Mm -hmm. just horrible. And whether it's a trauma or an illness or somebody passes way too soon a quick, quick aside, and there was five friends of ours that were in high school, and they had just—they had all come back from doing some missionary service for our church overseas for a couple years, and all of them were coming back from a camping trip, and the driver of the car fell asleep at the wheel, and mm-hmm. he rolled the car, and three of the boys died, and this—they're early twenties, and you think, oh my gosh, here are these three boys who you know gave some of the best years of their uh, growing up you know, to church service for a couple of years and they were serving God and they were doing all these things and they died. Oh my gosh. And, and I remember one of our um, church leaders came and talked to the congregation at the funerals. And he, and I thought he was going to give the, the rah rah speech of, Oh, there's a reason and have faith. And you know, you'll, you know, this is, this is God's will. And, and that was not the topic of his, his message. He just said, sometimes we don't know why we just don't know why. And it's okay to question. It's okay to say why, and it's okay to not have the answer. And I remember that. And that was a, a man named uh, Jeffrey, uh, Holland, you know, and I just, I still remember that. And so I think about that sometimes when we look and say, why me or why him or her, or, what's the breeze in here. And sometimes, gosh, it's, it's hard. Cause we want to, we want to say, well, this is the reason and this is the, and you know, sometimes we don't, there's not a reason. There's just terrible things that happen. That's part of living in an imperfect world, I think, and sometimes a result of other choices and so forth. But, um, but I think as we go through that process of whether it's grief or rehabilitation physically or rehabilitation emotionally or whatever that is, I think we, we do come back stronger. Um, mm. if, if we, if we do the work that we need to do, whether it's spiritual work, physical work, emotional work, work on forgiving, work on, you know, literally strengthening, a, strengthening a limb or a joint, like I had to do, we come back stronger and but being able to say, you know, I'm going to take this one day at a time. I'm just going to worry about stepping one foot in front of the other and, and keeping, you know, some focus and some perspective and being grateful for what I have now and,
1: I've kind of come to the same conclusion that we may not always know the reason why, but I think God can take whatever adversity we face in our life and he can help us become stronger because of it. Stronger better, and like you said, that's probably not what we want to hear when we're going through it. When you're so exhausted and worn out and down, it's hard to imagine life being any different. But I guess that's where faith comes in, right? Belief that God can see perhaps something down the road that we can't, and that He'll help us become someone who is maybe more patient, stronger, better inside uh, than we used to be and it's hard it's a hard process and it's interesting I, i liked how you tied in also how it's not just the physical challenges that we face and we can grow physically but there's that emotional component as well the soul and so i think learning to balance both the physical and the emotional intellectual growth as well. And it sounds like like you were able to do that. So that's amazing. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we get back, Alan, would you mind sharing with us the secrets of setting achievable goals and maybe some of the mindset that goes with that, along with resources that you would recommend for others who are struggling? Sure. How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy? and completely awful compared to the norm. What if I were to tell you that you are normal for you? I am so excited to announce that my book, Normal For Me by Tamara K. Anderson is now available for purchase on Amazon. This book took me 10 years to write and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I also include a bonus Diagnosis Survival Guide at the very end of my Normal For Me book. The Diagnosis Survival Guide includes 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. Wouldn't you like to know what those are? So what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon. And we're back. I'm talking to Alan Gulledge about his recovery from a life changing bike accident and the lessons he learned during that. He's talked about the importance of having patience with yourself and perseverance, keeping going, having trust in God. Over the break, Alan and I were talking about how he also learned some lessons in humility. Alan, would you mind talking to us a little bit about that?
0: Sure. I, like many, many people um fiercely independent don't like to ask for help very much and i can do it on my own kind of attitude which is good we all want to be self-reliant but i think these types of situations kind of force us to to humble ourselves a little bit um and in this particular instance i had to physically humble myself and allow people to do things that i couldn't do for myself you know when you recover from a back injury especially one of this particular type, you are on your back for quite an extended period of time laying down and you can't do anything for several weeks. I was bedridden and then, then it was slowly getting up and moving around the apartment and then was going outside and, and I had to have people help me to do these things that I was, you know, here I was this, you know, athlete mm-hmm. and not able to literally get out of bed and take a shower on my own or go to the bathroom. And have people help me to do that, and that's a very humbling circumstance to find yourself in. And so that was something that just the physical day to day things I had to ask for. You know, I had friends that would sleep on my floor in my apartment to help me out in the middle of the night, and. You know, you want to say, oh, that's okay. I got it. I'm okay. I'm good. But then when the middle of the night, it's 3 AM and your pain medication wears off and you're in excruciating pain and you can't move. And you, I mean, you need help. I really had to ask for help. And that's something that I think we don't do enough of. We always hear the virtues of service, which we want to be Christlike and loving towards others and serve and help. But we also need to provide the opportunity for others to do the same for us. Because when we are not, when we want to be overly independent, we're withholding those opportunities from other people. And I I realized that, you know, Mm -hmm. that I could, by saying, yes, come over, bring me meals or bring me or come sit with me while I limp my way to the couch and watch Netflix, (laughs) because that's the only thing I can do. Sitting there with me was, was service, you know, so Mm -hmm. allowing others to serve us, that's an opportunity for us to help others in a way and we don't we don't look at it that way. we think of oh, I don't want to be a drag on somebody I don't want to be and you know and sure you can take advantage of that and we probably know people that, that do, but mm-hmm. that's usually not most people we, we want to be self-sufficient all own but and I', I learned, you know it's just a shift in perspective of thinking of hey, I'm allowing somebody else the opportunity to grow and to to, to learn and to serve and sure, I'll have my time but to serve and bless the lives of others. But I think, you know, life is about giving and taking and we have to be able to take sometimes as Mm. well as give. And that balance of life, you know, is, is super, super helpful. And I think if we don't, we do become a little bit almost prideful and see it as a sign of weakness to have somebody help us. Mm. And I think that that's, kind of dangerous territory when we start kind of being so rigid and and refuse somebody's offer of service. I think that that kind of can get into kind of, at least for me, I think in a spiritual space, I think that it can be a little bit corrosive, prideful in, in a way that that's really not helpful. So that was something that, um, you know, humbling myself and And learning and, and again, the physical side of having to go through the physical rehab and so forth and doing things like, you know, running without limping and all those kind of things like that are somewhat humbling, you know, especially when Mm -hmm. you teach other people to run for a living, you know, (laughs) uh, can be challenging, you know. So so I think there's a lot of different ways that I was able, I, I learned kind of humility.
1: I love that. I really do. Let me ask you this kind of as a follow-up question to what you were just saying. Have you found that you have changed the way you coach people because of the accident?
0: That's a good question. I don't, gosh, I've never thought about that. Um,
1: Like, are you you more patient and understanding, I guess, because of what you've been through? Yeah.
0: So I, I think because I do work with, I have physical therapists. That send me their their clients that are kind of post rehab, mm-hmm. in learning you know running better for example, learning learning techniques that will lessen impact on their joints as they run. So many, and this is a total aside, but so many doctors that are well meaning yet uninformed people come to them with knee injuries and say, oh, I'm a runner, and they just say, well, you can't run anymore, or you you're too x y or z to run. You shouldn't run. You know, I appreciate their desire to preserve integrity of joints, but that's really not the case. People can run. They just need to learn to run correctly and to be able to strengthen their bodies in the the way that they need to, to be stable through their core muscles to allow them to run correctly. And then people can run for quite a long time. But when people come to me, just being a little more patient, I think not just this injury, but I've had a slew of other, you know, athletic related injuries over the years that have kind of contributed to a much more patient approach, if that's what you're asking, like Mm -hmm. being able to be a little more understanding both with people that are coming back from pain that are either unable, meaning they're in pain when they do a certain movement, or they are scared that they will be in pain from a certain movement. And I think that has application to the broader, you know, life life lessons and that Mm -hmm. sometimes we're fearful of literally taking a step forward because we are afraid it will hurt us
2: Mm. and
0: i remember coming back from my rehab and my physical therapist who i love and adore and she's really great but she was she had me do a drill where i was literally kind of running and stopping on that that leg that was hurt kind of a jumping on this leg while slamming a medicine ball down to force me to trust my foot again, because I w- had developed a, a protective overstride in my gait. Uh, I was basically in, ingraining a, a, a bad habit in my run because I was subconsciously fearful of pain in my knee because I'd been running with pain as a result of the accident.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I think that, you know, so I'm a little bit more sympathetic to people that are hesitant and cautious in physical activities because of pain they haven't experienced or they fear that they will experience again and i think obviously we want to heal but we also have to we have to relearn to not be fearful and we have Mm to uh, consciously make the decision that hey i'm not gonna let this fear of and then fill in the blank failure pain trial tribulation you know adversity whatever it is i'm not gonna let that fear of that Prevent my progress, either spiritually, physically, emotionally, whatever. So in that way, yeah, I, I have kind of softened my approach a little bit in certain ways with clients and uh, changed how I kind of coach people, or or maybe not changed it, but but have evolved towards, you know, over over a long period of time in, in being more sympathetic and more understanding.
1: That's that is awesome. Even as I've uh like for example started podcasting, I I remember having to overcome some fears. And it was really hard for me to be able to to face those fears and I, and I found I almost had to focus on something other than the fear. I had to give myself a goal um something that was powerful enough that I wasn't Looking at the fear, but I was looking at maybe the end result of that. Do you the, do the same thing with your clients? Do you have them focus on something other than the fear? And what what is that typically?
0: Absolutely, yeah. That is a huge, huge, huge focus of mine when I work with. When I ever talk to clients that for the first time, and and whether their goals are, and I do have kind of two sides of the house, so to speak, of my of my my business and one is strength training and personal training just what you'd see anybody from a normal just average joe or Jill off the street that needs to lose 20 pounds or 30 pounds or 100 pounds losing weight or mm-hmm. somebody that needs to get back in shape after um, a period of time off or maybe mm-hmm. somebody's coming back from an accident or illness like i was i've had people come back from hip hip surgery knee knee replacements all sorts of things and then I also have the very high-functioning um, triathletes and runners who are looking to qualify for Boston or looking to get to the World Championships or get mm-hmm. looking to run. I had a girl run her first 100-mile ultra race just over this past weekend. And so we worked for many, many, many months. And, and we absolutely, the first thing I ask the question, what are your goals? And we go through and we refine what those goals are. And then with that goal, then breaking it down and saying, okay, well, what's the process by which you're going to achieve this goal? And then being process oriented throughout the training cycle, whether it's trying to lose weight, especially over the holidays, people struggle with this. And so we Mm -hmm. talk about And what are some preemptive things we can do as we go into this difficult situation? Like, what are going to be the resources that you have to help you to, you know, not binge eat over Thanksgiving? You know, Mm -hmm. if you're a 300 pound person that needs to lose 100 pounds or their doctor is going to put them on, you know, medications and all sorts of stuff. So what do we do? You know, so we, we take that approach. Absolutely. You know, a very goal oriented approach. And we, I remind them of that. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes the goals are things like, I, I worked with a girl last year who came off um, major ACL reconstruction, which is about a year long recovery. And Ooh. she wanted to run her a 5K. She was not a runner, never had been a runner, but she said, hey, my goal to, to get me to rehab my knee, I want to run a 5K. And I said, okay. Wow. And so we did it. And so that, and then I have people that, their goals are different. They are going through fertility treatments because they want to be, to be parents and they're, they really want to do that. And they are significantly overweight. And so we remind them of those goals when we talk about, okay, well, what are the challenges? What are the fears? What are the temptations? What are the things? Okay, well, let's focus on the, the overarching goal is to be you know, in this place where you can be healthy to possibly conceive. So, you know, there's, so but, but being able to have that goal and, and having that focus is very critical. I think mm-hmm. for me, it was, I want to get back to being a competitive triathlete and not just competitive triathlete, but very, very but, but good, you know, and mm-hmm. to the point of, of being upper echelon of my, my little division or whatever. And, and, you know, that kept me going. And so yeah. for some people, it's your family and being able to, to be healthy for your family or being able to be a better, um, you know, caregiver or, or whatever it is But yeah, we definitely, I think goals are are critical as you come back or face some of these challenges that we, that we have.
1: Oh, and I love how you talked about breaking it down. You know, that we, that we do, we need to break down. So not only have that overarching goal that pulls us forward, but sometimes a big goal seems so unsurmountable that you do need to pause and say, okay, what does that look like on a month-to-month basis? What does that look like? For this month this week you know and then what what can I do today so breaking it down to just little tiny bite-size achievable goals so that it doesn't seem so overwhelming right absolutely maybe this is where your psychology degree comes into play Alan
0: <laughs> kind of yeah. you become a part time
1: psychologist that's true sure. <laughs> oh man because so much of what we do and especially our fears that hold us back it's, it's all in our mind and so we just have to be able to set that goal and have the faith and, and then and just have somebody that you're accountable to. Like these people that hire you, they're accountable to you and you're going to help them through it. And I found that to be true for me as I have set uh, brave and new goals like for myself this year in podcasting and writing and publishing a book that it has really helped me to have an, somebody that I'm accountable to. And so this, yeah. it's easier when you're not doing it by yourself. Right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I always tell my my weight loss clients that there's three keys: the people that are very successful at this, and those that aren't. And one is they have a firm goal that is not that is fixed, time bound, just like us. Like we, we know what smart goals are, right? Mm-hmm. Strategic and and time bound, and also you know specific and everything else. But um, so they have a goal. They have a process which for them, that means they're writing down and recording what they eat. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: that's the process. And then the third pillar is they're accountable, Mm -hmm. accountable to me as their coach or their trainer. And they're accountable to, and I have them be accountable to somebody else. So, Mm -hmm. okay, you're accountable to me. You're accountable to yourself. You're accountable to who else, who, who in your world can support you in this whether it's a spouse a significant other a partner a friend a coworker, whatever you're going to be accountable to three people and those that are do that do those things that keep keep the process that have the goal and have the accountability they are successful and, and I mean and that's not rocket science but it but you, you look at other aspects of life it doesn't have to be in, in just in losing weight but it could be in you know competing for an event or it could be in making a a goal, like you said, to write a book, and you have a publisher that you're you're accountable to, and you have a maybe an agent or maybe a spouse that's going to be your mm-hmm. you know editor or proofreader, wh- whoever it is, you know. So yeah. absolutely, I think having that is, is critical. I think being you know in a faith in a faith based world, I include God in in this. You mm-hmm. know, when I when I specifically work for very audacious, you know, challenging stretch goals. To put myself in either in business or in my my triathlon world and certainly in my marriage and so forth and family. but in my business world and in my athletic world i think sometimes we think you know you look at somebody sideways and say yeah i'm i, I really involve the lord in how i prepare for race or an event well mm-hmm. i think he, he really is involved in the details of our lives and i think that not that he's, you know, the grand puppet master by any means, but I feel like if we can say, hey, Lord, I'm doing the best I can do and I need your help to fill in the gaps and And you say that and then you really at the, at the end of the day, you make an accounting to him of your daily life. And I include that, you know, I remember in, in, in recent. Uh, this is post accident. I came off of uh, a marathon recently that came off of, uh, of an iron another Ironman race about um eight weeks ago and i remember in those preparations saying hey i i and i could literally kneel down and say lord i have done my part and i i need this is what i've done and literally laying out saying, i have did this run i did this bike i did this and, and i need you to help me out on these things that i can't control or you know help me to be focused in the way i need to be and on my nutrition or on my you know, how I swim in this particular event. People might laugh that off as like, oh, it's not relevant, it's not important, it's just, a, it's just a race. Yeah, you're right. In the grand scheme of things, I promise it makes zero difference if I came in, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth place, or if I came in 250th in God's eyes, I really don't think it cares. But to me, it's important. And I think the things that are important uh, to me can be important to him. Mm-hmm. And so I I think that's the greatest accountability we have is 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 to him as well as to people that can give us immediate feedback or the people that are close around us and are in our mm-hmm. world and that, that want the same goals that we want for us because they see that that is a healthy and a and a positive and a worthwhile process.
1: I found that the same thing to be true for me and it's interesting sometimes God does bless us with that focus. And then sometimes he blesses us to meet somebody that will teach us something new or different or a different way to look at something in our lives. And so sometimes I think God blesses us with the knowledge, and sometimes he blesses us to meet people who will help us along that path. And it's interesting how that happens. And and I've kind of seen this theme flowing through this podcast as we've been talking of our interactions with other people helping others serving others working with others helping each other with our goals and i can't help but think that the longer i've been struggling through life the more i realize that i really don't think god meant for us to come to this world and to do it all on our own i think he meant for us to learn and grow and work together and help each other along our different journeys and i think it's amazing that you've been able to see that in your own life not only as a trainer and as an athlete but but now you're also able to give back and and with such an increased perspective because of your accident and because you had to be a recipient before and so i think it's beautiful how it all seems to tie together that we're, we're really all in this together you know
0: <laughs> yes i was just thinking as you were talking about you know how we are blessed with the gifts that we need and sometimes we're blessed to have others that come into our lives to teach us you know and i think mm-hmm. about i thought about teaching and i think some of the greatest blessings that i've received in life and this goes outside the, the realm of just the accident and so forth and recovery but I think is the failures that we, we have, you know, I think so many times those can be faith crushing in the moment. And yet, you know, I'm, I'm reminded, you know, we talked about off mic, we talked about kind of a favorite Bible verse and I, I was going to use one of the like Proverbs three, five, which is counsel the Lord in all thy doings and he shall drag direct the path. But I also think about the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they're, being thrown into literally burning to death in the, in the furnace. And they said, you know, and by the, I think it's King Nebuchadnezzar or somebody, to say, hey, you're going to, you know, if you don't bow down and worshiping me, work the idol or whatever, you know, then you're going to get thrown in the furnace. And, and they said, you know what? Nope. And they and said, well, we know that God can save us. But if not, we will still worship him or something i'm paraphrasing and slaughtering the the actual verse but but i think about that that um, some t- we have we all have a but if not moment and many moments for most of us in life where we have, we fall on our face or we fail or or the angels don't come and save us or the the tragedy does not avoid us or we we have this struggle and trial and and it doesn't go our way, even though we're, we're righteously pleading for deliverance, we're not delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in that case, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, but mm-hmm. they said, hey, but if not, we're still gonna worship the, the true God, you know? And I think that that's helpful in life in reference to our failures and the struggles that we have in these times of trial. It sounds cliche, but they can be stumbling blocks or stepping stones, right? It's keeping that perspective of, okay, this is a stumbling block or a stepping stone. What's mm. you know what's going to be for me? Is this going to create or is this going to lift my faith? You know.
1: Oh, this has been so fun. So um, let me ask you this: what what resources would you recommend to people who perhaps are struggling?
0: Well, I mean, I gosh, I think there's so many things out there. And especially now with our the virtual world that we live in, we have access to so many things. It's literally at our fingertips. And I think, you know, I mean, first and foremost, any type of scriptures that we read, you know, Word of God, right? Mm-hmm. That's super, super helpful, inspirational. Um, yet most of us don't have the time or energy or the ability to be able to walk in around with our nose in, in scripture all day long. I, I try to listen to talks or podcasts or things that help, kind of inspire and, and not just from a, a spiritual perspective, but an emotional perspective, a, a, a educational perspective, a physical, you know, all these areas. And I, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent in obviously professionally, what I do is, is a more holistic approach towards solving problems. And that includes the physical self,
2: mm-hmm. that includes
0: self care. Part of the, the reason that I even have a job here on the East Coast that I can make a living, at, you know, in the fitness world, which is hard to do, is that on the East Coast, so many people are so stressed and they are so busy that they literally have to schedule me to come to their home or they come to my gym or studio rather and exercise because if, if, if they didn't have, we am talking about, about accountability again, if they didn't have a meeting with me set up, it would never happen. And mm-hmm. if they didn't know that, hey, I'm gonna charge you a lot of money if you no sh- show me, you're gonna be charged a lot of money. So mm-hmm. you're better show up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's how I have a job. But but it's yep. also the the science is so prevalent of how reduction of stress and exercise influence behavior, emotional well-being, mental health, all of these positive things. And in this world, it is so easy for us to go to the doctor to get a pill or to work on the treatment rather than the prevention mm. and we want to work on the prevention. And so Absolutely. taking the time to take a walk, take a jog, go on a bicycle ride, go hike a mountain or a hill or just an overpass, do some things that are going to help lift you and get the heart rate up to increase blood circulation, blood flow, that brings vital nutrients literally to your body. Mm. And, you know, I think, the, the soul is the body and the spirit combined, right? And we have to mm-hmm. nurture both. And I think we become very lazy stewards of our physical bodies when we do not exercise them and, and actually engage in physical exercise. You know, our, our bodies are designed to move, uh, taking, taking self-care seriously, watching what you eat and the portions that you eat and those kind of things. I think, I mean, there's so many things out there. I, I recently read a book, uh, called can't hurt me. It's got by a guy named David Goggins, and this that the book that the David David Goggins book. It's it's so good, and he he's a man of faith, but he's an inner city guy who's been mm-hmm. a, a career sailor. So you can mm-hmm. imagine some of this harsh language, but but the life lessons are really quite good. And this guy is a super athlete and a super crazy person. They call him the world's hardest man because he was a Navy SEAL for twenty years and. This guy does, you know, 200 mile runs and these, you know, very grueling endurance events. And he does, he's very competitive, does very well. He, at one point in time, he held the world record for pull-ups, like, you know, 5,000 pull-ups or something oh gosh. In, in, in a 24-hour period. It's kind of a self-help book, but it's not the self-help book that you might think. Uh, and he comes from a very impoverished background, a very hard background. He was an inner city kid growing up. He was the only African-American kid in his world he got bullied he got called all these names he was overweight he was you know all these you know kind of cards stacked against him in that in that regard but you know he came to a point where he had to really kind of look himself in the mirror and say who am i going to be you know and i have control over this and i think sometimes in our world it's easy to shift control and say you know what well i'm a a victim of my circumstance or or Mm -hmm. this is happening to me or oh you know i i'm divorced or my spouse did this, or my uh, son did this, or my dad was uh, abusive to me. You know, I had this physical challenge. I got this accident, I have this illness, I have this, that, and the other, da, 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 and on it goes, right? Mm-hmm. And he kind of takes this tough love approach, like, you know, so what? You know, you gotta look in the mirror every day and at yourself and say, am I the best person I can be? He was like 20 years old or 21 years old and he was kind of an exterminator. He was going around, he's 300 pounds overweight and he was, he'd go to take the night shift and spray for cockroaches and stuff in the fast food joints. And he realized, he's like, that's not who I wanna be. And so that book for me was, was you know that's one I read recently and I thought, yeah, that's a different approach of that tough love, but I think that's so true. And, it, and in my world, when I work with people especially those that live in a very technologically advanced world where we're deconditioned, meaning we're just, we're out of shape, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that we're not used to being pushed hard physically. And when we get pushed hard physically, our our mental side, that's where really the, the work has to be done. And there's something called the 40% rule where they've actually studied this, that your your mind can override that, that you think I'm at my physical limit. You've only got about, you've done about 40%. You have another 60% effort you can give. Really? And so when, when, when you're doing these hard efforts, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and run, you know, a marathon or an Ironman or triathlon or right. go running or whatever. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying put yourself, make yourself hurt a little bit, like in a good way, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. see, see where your, where your breaking point is and then get to that and then go a little bit beyond that but sometimes we need to be pushed outside that comfort zone and that, that physical comfort zone of our bodies. I mean, it's so connected to our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health. And I think because we are so, uh, again, deconditioned just in society because our life is so easy, just generally speaking, we get used to having things when we want where everything's comfortable. Everything is, you know, and, and I remember, um, Many times in just kind of my rehabilitation process, kind of pushing myself and hurting and feeling like, and I don't mean doing damage. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm just saying, you know, because you're, so I was this accomplished endurance athlete. And then, you know, if I don't do anything for four months, well, that's really hard and you have to come back and, and the mm-hmm. workouts are very difficult that normally would be very, very easy, but pushing yourself a little bit. So I think for me, that was helpful to, cause it, it made me think and it made me focus and just being a little bit more present in kind of my, okay, what am I feeling right now? Am I hurting? Am I just uncomfortable? Am I, you know, and just being a little more present. And I think that that's something that we don't do enough in our, mm. in our very cushy world. So that's a big thing. It's just that, that, you know, on the one side, it's the self-care of, of getting enough rest, taking time outside your day to meditate, pray, you know, get a massage every once in a while. Do some yoga, do something that's gonna just allow your mind to calm, be calm and just not be so ratcheted up. And then the other side of the house is, is pushing yourself a little bit. It's doing mm-hmm. something that's hard. Maybe if, you, if you've never run before, maybe it's, it's jogging for a little bit. The next time you're on the walk, and as opposed to just walk, you, you run for 30 seconds, and then you walk, and then run for another 30 seconds, and then walk, or whatever that is. And then mm-hmm. it can be going and taking a class at the gym, that you, you know, this seems intimidating to you, but, but whatever that is. So that physical side is, is so helpful. Um, especially with people that then start to see physical change and then their self-esteem improves, you know, and you, they accomplish a small goal and now, well, how can that carry over into my other aspects of my life? Oh, that's one of the most beautiful things that I see. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. those are some things that I, I think are, are resources or, or avenues you can go down to help of
1: get you outside that that comfort zone thank you so much so let me ask you this I know that there's gonna be people out there who have just really resonated with you and your message what is the best way for them to connect with you or to find your business online how can they do that
0: I have a personal Facebook page people are welcome to reach out to me there but I have a business Facebook page and a a website the name is TriFit evolution so T-R-I-F-I-T evolution.com. And that's, um, you can reach out to me there and, and that kind of gives a little bit of background professionally, what I do and, and so forth. But yeah, people can reach out on Facebook too. So yeah, or awesome. Instagram, I'm on Instagram as too as well. So
1: Good, and we'll put all those links to that and, and the amazing books that you've shared. We'll put yeah, all of those resources in the show notes so that people can yeah. find it and click the button. What are we talking about being?
0: (laughs) it be easy. Click that that button
1: and change your life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? If it was only that easy, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, Alan, this has been just such a joy to talk to you and reconnect again. But thank you also for sharing um, lessons learned in your hard times and just the wisdom of setting some big goals for yourself and reaching for those goals and how to make that achievable and bite-sized pieces. This has just been so amazing. So thank you for inspiring us that trials can help us build back stronger and we can achieve anything. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode. So you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget what were those great things. So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember God loves you.